Hey guys, it's good to be with you. My name is Nathan. Like uh, Julie said, we're starting a brand new series called Habits. And believe it or not, this series will take us all the way up to our Christmas series. I know it's hard to believe, but we will be at our Christmas series in a couple of weeks. And you won't want to miss that series starting in December. You won't want to miss Revolution students on November 6th. And we do need some help. So we, we had a call out meeting or we had some meeting with some volunteers. Uh, it was awesome. We have great ideas. But if you're interested in helping Please let me know. I would love to uh, contact you and be in touch with you about that. But today, I, I want to start off, we're, we're going to kind of geek out on habits. And a lot of what you're about to hear me say comes from research. There's a book called Atomic Habits. It's not a Christian book, but it's a great book. A lot of what we find today is going to be from that. But I believe with all my heart, if you apply what we're about to learn in the next several weeks to your life, your relationships will get better, your faith will grow, and your life will just be better and headed in the direction that you want to head in. So I want to start with a question, and here's this question right here. And it's, how many of you, and I want you to raise your hands for this, I like participation, how many of you are hoping the way things are is not the way things will stay? How many of you are hoping, like, hey, my, my, I hope my future is better than my past, even if your life is good, even if things are going great, some of us, for the most part, are like, hey, I want things to get a little bit better. A little bit better. Like, I just hope that things are a little bit better. But we know that we can't just li li live in the land of hope. Right? If we want a better marriage, we, we can't communicate the way we've always communicated because we'll get what we've always gotten. Maybe you're dating and you're like, man, all I found, find in this area of the date are bums. Like, I just keep dating bums, right? And so if you keep doing the same thing and dating the same people and going to the same spots to find people, you're probably going to stay dating bums, right? Like, so if you want your friendships to stay the same or you want your friendships to change but you stay the same, you're going to get what you always gotten, right? If we just live in the land of hope, if you just hope things will get better, if you just hope something will happen, guess, what, guess where you'll end up? You'll end up in the land of disappointment. If you hope things change, but nothing changes, if you don't change anything, you're going to end up disappointment. Disappointed, right? And here's what's interesting about habits, or here's what's interesting about success or change. Most of us said, hey, I want to change. I want something in my life to change. I don't want the way things are now to be the way they're always going to be. And if I was to sit down and we were to pull first service and second service, I'm like, hey, what do you want to change? I could give you a list of eight to ten things that are basically going to stay the same. Someone's going to talk about, well, I want to get out of debt. So there's going to be some financial goals. There's going to be some goals like people like, hey, I want to grow in my faith. So there's going to be some faith goals. There's going to be goals like I want to overcome this addiction or habit. There's going to be relational goals. Most of us in, in, in some capacity have the same goals, right? We have the same goals. I want this to change or I want this to happen. And they look fairly similar. But why is it? That we have the same set of goals or the same kind of things in mind that we want to change, but we get drastically different results. In the book Atomic Habits, James Clear puts it this way. He says, winners and losers actually have the same goals. Let me, let me give you an example. Everybody know the Detroit Lions, like the worst football team of all time ever? Do you know they start the season with the same goal as the New England, Patriot had, New England Patriots had for years? Tom Brady won seven of those bad boys, six. I don't think the Lions will win six games most years, right? Like, but they have the same goals. When you start out a sports season, no coach says, hey, guys, he comes in the locker room, or hey, girls, like, here's our goal. We're aiming for sixth place this year, right? No one says that. They're like, hey, we want to win. Or you know, no one gets married and says, you know what, hey, about year seven, that was a good run. Let's just call it quits, right? No one gets married and says that. No one starts a job and say, says, hey, 
In three years, I hope I get a 10% decrease, right? No one says that. We all have the same goals, the same, you know, kind of things we want, but we see drastically different results. Why is that? Well, studies show us that it has to do with something called systems. We have the same goals, but we have different systems to reach those goals. You can break the systems down to even smaller word, habits. Our habits make the difference in who we want to become or make the difference in what changes in our lives. So that's what this series is about, and I'm excited for it because, again, I believe that if we apply what we're about to learn, and we're not just going to talk about like habits that you need to add, maybe we'll talk about something you need to break, but if you apply what we're about to learn in the next six, seven weeks, I promise you, you will see drastic life change. So here's kind of what we're going to do in this series. We're going to have habits. We're going to break bad ones. We're going to keep good ones. And we're going to start new ones. So I want you to repeat this after me. So I'll say it, then you say it. Break bad ones. Keep good ones. Start new ones. All right, we're all on the same page now, right? We're going to have the same thing. We want to break bad ones. We'll talk about bad habits in a moment. We're going to keep good ones. Some of the series about the good habits that you may have, we're going to say keep doubling down on that. And then we want to start some new ones. We want to start some new faith habits that may get us to where we want to be. So let me kind of tell you what a habit is. I kind of came up with this definition. It's real scientific, not really, but it's Nathan's terms. Habits are what? Actions that we repeatedly do that shape our lives. Habits are the things that we do over and over and over again. So it could be the time that you wake up. It could be the type of coffee that you drink in the morning. It could be what shoe you put on first or how you tie your shoes or what you do when you're talking to people. It's all these habits. And our habits are actions that we repeatedly do that shape our lives. And here's what's cool. You are where you're at, and you are who you are right now, much to do with the habits that you have in your life. You show someone your habits, we can probably tell you a lot about who you are. And I love this quote. It says, our habits will make us or break us. Why? Because we become what we repeatedly do. We become what we repeatedly do. And so when we, I talk about habits, and I, I'm a big believer in habits, I, I like habits, I like goals, I'm a New Year's resolution guy, I'm, I'm easily motivated, I love movies like Rocky Balboa and all these quotes to put on my wall, I love that stuff, I eat it up, so I love habits, and I love goals, but so, so often we say, hey, those aren't really scriptural, habits aren't scriptural, or habits have nothing to do with faith, well let me show you an example, here's a habit, but Jesus often, often could also be replaced with the word repeatedly, Jesus repeatedly withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus would often go and pray, and, and I like it, it says he withdrew to lonely places. Sometimes in your life, you just got to get away from people, right? Like, hey, I got to get away from them, all right? So he would withdraw from people so he could do what he needed to do, and he would pray. So that's a habit. Here's another habit that he had. He went, he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his what? Custom, custom, custom is something that you repeatedly do. It would be a habit that you have. So his habit was praying and his habit was, was going into the synagogue. So throughout scripture, there's a lot of things, especially in books like the book of James. And it will be these spiritual habits that the Bible talks about. Do this so this can happen and, and change this and you'll get these results. The Bible is full of those. But it's also full of trying to get rid of bad habits. So I, I want to ask you the most important question of the day. All right, the most important question today. Do you have any bad habits? Let me, I'm not going to have you raise your hand. Here's what I'm going to do. How many of you are sitting next to someone 
that you know has a bad habit. Come on now, raise your hand. Everybody's hand go up now. It's a lot easier to rat on other people than it is yourself. So we have bad habits. So this week, I, I wanted to know, I, I was brave enough. I texted my wife as I was writing this question, writing this out. So I texted her and said, hey, do I have any bad habits? Before I could hit send, I'm pretty sure she replied. Like she knew what I was thinking before I sent it. And she, she prefaced all of these with, I'm just being nice. So that told me that she has a long list of other habits. So let me share with you some of the habits, and I'm going to defend myself on all of them. They're not a big deal. But she said, you have the bad habit of leaving the car almost unempty. Okay, anybody have that habit? Gas is 429 a gallon. I'm going to get every ounce of gas in my car. I'm not paying extra, right? So there's my defense. Another one, and maybe guys, you're like me. I leave my clothes on the floor. So like if I go home, I'm going to take this hoodie off. I'm going to throw it on the floor. She's like, you always leave your laundry on the floor. And I said, well, this is where you misunderstand me. Sometimes the shirt I'm taking off is completely dirty. I'm never putting it back on until you wash it. But sometimes, like this, I I haven't really sweated today. I'm going to throw this on the floor. I might pick this up on Tuesday because I can still wear it. It doesn't need to get washed. So I'm just shorting my clothes out on the floor. You, You just don't understand my system. But I think the thing that drives her the most nuts and something we'll fight about until we die is, I should preface this, I think this invention is the worst invention of all time. She says that you never leave your toothbrush in a toothbrush holder. And I said, why waste money on a toothbrush holder when I have a sink that I can put it on every night, right? Like, and so that drives her nuts. And, and little did she know, she's in here right now, I'm going to give you the list of her habits. Ready? Actually, I want to sleep in my, in my bed tonight, so I'm, not, I'm going to skip that part. <laughs> but we all have habits, and those are goofy habits. So you probably have, I have serious habits that I don't want to tell you about. I'm a little impatient. I get a little angry at times, right? But we all have habits that we know probably are sabotaging our lives, keeping us from that change that we really want, things that are holding us back relationally, financially. Like some of you have really, really bad habit. Just because it's on sale doesn't mean you have to buy it. I think someone needs to hear that in the room today, right? That's a bad habit. Or Amazon Prime deal days, you don't have to buy this stuff. They're tricking you, right? But we have the bad habits of financial habits, relationship habits, sometimes spiritual habits, sometimes lack of spiritual habits, sometimes it's a temptation or an addiction we have. We have these bad habits. And what I love about the Bible is, you know, Jesus calls us in this new life, But he also calls us, he's like, hey, don't stay the way you are. So in James, one of my favorite books, one of my favorite books to read in the Bible, it says this, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, right? Whitney would say that, Nathan, get rid of all the dirty clothes and put them in the clothes hamper in your life, right? But so get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives. Get rid of all the things, the habits that you don't want. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of the things that are sabotaging your story. Get rid of those. And here's what he says, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. I love this, and this is so cool. He he doesn't just say get rid of it. He he says, no, no, there's something better for you. He says, get rid of all these old habits and these bad habits that are sabotaging your life, and humbly accept the word God is planting in your heart. Humbly accept the, the way God is calling you to live. Why? What does it have the power to do? It has the power to save your, it has the power to completely change your life. So here's the tension with habits. You know you got bad ones. You know you got good ones. You know you have habits you want to keep. You know you got habits you want to break. But most of us raise our hand and say we want to change. But why is it? 
Why is it that we typically don't see the change we want most? Why is it that we know we want to change, we have a goal to change, we, we know exactly what we want to change, but why is it that we don't see that change? And this is where we're going to geek out today. This is where that book, Atomic Habits, is going to be life-changing. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you three ways that research has shown why we don't change. Now, if you fall asleep at point one and two, wake up by point three because I'm going to wake you up because you don't want to miss this. But here's the question. Have you ever wondered why is it you want change but don't change? Anybody ever thought that? Like, why is it that I can't keep my New Year's resolution? Why is it I can't reach my goals? That's what we're going to look at today. And so the first one is this. It's, it's crazy. We underestimate this, the power of small changes. The book was called Atomic Habits. What comes to mind when you think of atomic? Me, I think of atomic bomb. So when I want to change, guess what I want? I want an atomic bomb to go off in my life. If I want to get better at fitness or sports, I want something to drop in my life, and I want to get better instantly. I don't care about the small steps typically. I want one big change that changes everything. And guess what? It doesn't work that way, right? Whitney's been trying to change me for nine years. She, understand, un she understands the power of small changes. And do you know what atomic actually means? It means extremely minute, microscopic. Itty-bitty. I had to throw that in there. I like that. Itty-bitty, right? Tiny. Small. Atomic changes are itty-bitty. Little itty-bitty, right? I'm a dad now, so itty-bitty. Right? I just say it all the time. Extremely minute, microscopic changes. Small changes in your life. So do you know how change happens? One step at a time. One step at a time. Do you know there's very seldom any change that comes into your life that drops like a bomb and completely changes? There's baptism. Baptism is one of those moments. You hear about that, like someone's baptized or they you know, put their faith in Jesus and their life completely changes. There's sometimes uh, stories of, about addiction or other things that change, but very, very seldom are, are, is it these big changes. It's often small little steps. But we're so impatient, right? We're, we're instant gratification. We want change now. We want it fast. And we want it to go off like a bomb in our life. Like, hey, I want to stop doing this, and I want to stop doing it tomorrow, right? I've been trying to stop eating pizza rolls for years, and I shared my first sermon. I'm still eating them, right? Because it's small steps. And here's what we do. We have a tendency to overestimate big moments. We're Americans. We like it big, right? We want big, big changes, well, you know and I know that when it's such a drastic change, if you try to go from eating meat to being a vegan overnight, that's going to be a little difficult, right? If you try to go, be, go from one point in your life to being perfect overnight, it, it's hard. So we overestimate big moments and we underestimate small improvements. There's this, this kind of rule that, and I don't know how, know how the math lines up. I'm not, I went to Bible college, y'all. I, I took one math class. But there's this, this idea because of compound interest, that if you were to leave here for one year, if you got 1% better every day for one year, by the end of the year, whatever you're trying to get better at, you would be 37% better at, right? And so what happens is, like, hey, I want to fix my, my marriage, so I'm going to have one conversation. I'm going to go to one counseling session. I'm going to do one thing. And you're like, okay, it's fixed, right? And they're like, no, it's not fixed at all. Or you want to get in shape and you want to eat one salad. You want to go to one workout class at the YMCA, and you want to look in the mirror, and you want to look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, don't you? You want to, you want to get out of debt with one big payment. Trust me, it's not going to happen, right? School loans, student loans, it's not going to happen. We have a tendency to overestimate big moments 
and underestimate small moments. But these small moments, these small changes, these little tweaks becoming 1% better every day at the end of a year, at the end of a life, you will see how drastically those things change. And in your faith, there's a moment sometimes where it's a big drastic turn. But man, I've been at this for a long time. I just get a little bit better every day. Some days I take steps backwards, and some days I take two steps forward. Some days I'm like way, way back here. Some days I feel like I'm way, way up here. But it's these little steps. It's, it's the process in the Bible they call sanctification. It's this process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's just slow, slow, slow. So don't underestimate the small. The Bible says don't despise the small, humble beginnings. So we have a tendency to underestimate the small overestimate the, the big and underestimate the small. And when you do, I mean, when small changes happen, you're not seeing drastic changes, you often quit. The second reason is this. We give up too quickly because we don't see change fast enough. One of the worst habits I have is I'm very impatient. Anybody with me? Like, I am impatient. You can write that, like, impatient. I, I, I'm not patient waiting for food. That's why one of my favorite inventions of all time was an air fryer, right? Stick it in there, right? I don't care if it tastes like rubber. I'm eating it. It's done. Right? It's fast. It's done. I, I, um, I get road rage. Not real road rage, but I, get, I, I talk about this often. I get stuck behind slow drivers, and it makes me mad, right? Like, I'm impatient. And so when, when I want to do something, I want change. I want it fast. I don't want small. I want it fast. I want to see it really, really fast. So I, re- I remember a couple years after college, um, I was at this weird stage in my life. I had played sports since I was like four years old, and I played college basketball and graduated college, and I really realized real quickly I was no longer an athlete, right? I thought I was, but I wasn't. So I need a new, I need a new ex, kind of excitement, new challenge in my life. So I was like, hey, I'm going to start lifting weights, and I want to start lifting heavy weights. I don't want to just stay in shape. I want to start lifting heavy weights. So I started doing it, and I get a membership, and I start doing it for like two weeks. And after those two weeks, wives, you know what I'm talking about here. After those two weeks, I'd be walking by a mirror, get a little flex, like, woo-wee, like that, you know, like, you know, looking back at my tricep, and Whitney would catch me all the time, and I'd come up to Whitney and say, hey, do you see this? Like, do you see? And I'm expecting her to just run to my arm and grab it. She's like, babe, you look like the rock, right? Like, man, you're so big. You know what she says? She's like, no, I don't see anything. <laughs> you know, she keeps me humble, right? And so, like, uh, I just remember I wanted it so bad and I wanted it so fast. And, like, in those moments, so many times when it comes to change, we want it so fast. And so, you know, we come to church and we're like, hey, I want everything to be fixed, right? It took you 18 years to get there and you think one service is going to fix it. It, it. it doesn't work that way, right? It takes time. It takes time to create habits. It takes time to overcome things. And so I want to share a demo, uh, kind of a graph with you. So I want you to imagine this with me. Here's the results we want. So here's us, here's your results, and here's time. And here's how we typically want change to happen. We want to start doing something, and we want instant results. We want it to go up so fast, right? We're like, hey, I should just keep getting better, 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 right? We just want this change. So whatever it may be, right, whatever your habit is, you want to see change like this. Is that how it works? No, you know that, right? This is how it works. You do get better for a little bit. So like if, you start, if you're not working out at all and you start working out or you're not reading your Bible at all and you start reading your Bible a little bit, you're going to see drastic change. You're going to see a little bit change at first, right? But then eventually you get to this point. You know what this point's called? This is the point where most people quit. This is why on January, you don't go to the gym if you're a regular gym goer, but you come back February because everybody quit by then, right? Like this is why. This little dip right here. You know what this dip is called? It's called the Valley of Disappointment. Do you know where most people quit? The Valley of Disappointment. The principle of the Valley of Disappointment is you start something new and it starts to change. 
But at some point, it becomes this tension, this little friction in your life where change starts happening slowly. And it's not happening fast enough anymore. And because it's not happening fast enough, and we're not patient, we don't like the small changes, we like big changes, we give up here. And I just think about that. How many times does that happen in our faith? Think about this, the Bible, right? Think about Noah. Noah, gave, Noah was given a job by God. Build a boat. Build an ark, right? Oh, yeah, by the way, it's not going to rain for a really long time. He could have quit right here, but what did he do? He kept fighting through. I think of Moses. Moses had to go in the, field, uh, the wilderness for 40 years. I'm not even 40, so I don't know what that feels like, right? Man, that's a long time. And then there's David. David's told his little uh, young boy, like, hey, you're going to become king. Then he had to wait years. And I wonder, when you think about the changes you want in your life and the things that you hope to become, or the person you hope to become, how many times do you not reach it because you quit right here instead of seeing it through right here? And there's a verse in the Bible, in the book of Galatians, and it says this. It says, let us not become weary, meaning tired. Don't let, us, let us not grow tired in doing good and doing the right thing. For in the proper time, we will reap a what? A harvest if we do not give up give up and I see and I see this over and over again and someone comes to church or comes and asks me questions like hey I want to change this and they're doing the right thing and it doesn't happen the things start to get better and it doesn't happen fast enough and they give up but the promise here is like hey don't give up God's working don't 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 give up doing good don't give up doing the right thing don't give up going to church don't give up praying to God don't give up on God because God's not working your in your time frame because in the right time in the proper time, and what's the proper time? In God's timing, in God's timing, you'll reap a harvest. But the harvest only comes, and the results only come, what? If you don't give up, if you don't quit in the valley of disappointment. If you quit in the valley of disappointment, you will never see the harvest. Don't give up. Don't give up. Whatever you're going through, whatever it may be taking too long, don't give up. So we talked about small, don't despise the small, don't underestimate the small, don't go impatient. And here's the last one. So this is, if your person next to you is sleeping, this is where you nudge them because this is what they need to pay attention to. This is worth the price of admission. If you forget anything else, this is it today. Why do we not reach our goals? We start with do instead of who. When I read this a couple years ago, it blew my mind. And I'm not perfect, but once I started understanding this, it completely changed how I was able to accomplish things, completely changed my faith, it changed what I did, my habits, my goal setting. We start with do instead of who. Let me explain that. Our entire lives we've been taught, if what's wrong, if someone asks, hey, what's wrong, or what, what's, what's something you want to get rid of, or what, what's something you don't want to do anymore, they'll say, okay, this. I no longer want to do this, but I want to do this instead. So they say, go do it. Just stop doing this thing and do this. Do this activity, do this activity, don't do this activity. And actually, the levels of change that we're taught from a young age happen like this. Do. So identify something you want to do. I want to grow in my faith. I want to go to church more. I want to stop eating junk food. I want to get healthy. I want to work out. I want to overcome this addiction. I want to do this, 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 and this. That's the do. And the next thing we're taught is this. 
How? Okay, how are you going to do it? Okay, I'm going to download the Bible app on my phone. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to find a church to go to. I'm going to get a gym membership. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to AA. I'm going to do all these things. How? So we're taught do, how, and we're taught that the do and the how, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to sound like Dr. Seuss for a little bit, but the do and the how will lead us to who we want to become. And so we say after we do the do, and then we have the how, it will lead us to who we want to become. It will lead us to the change that we want. That's where we get it wrong. Because you know, you know this, and I know this, that our identity, who you are, shapes what you do and how you do it, doesn't it? You know that. And so if your identity shapes who you are and how you do it, shouldn't you start with your identity? All three are important, but if you start at the wrong place, I'm going to get better, and I'm going to do this, but you don't change your identity, you don't identify that way, you're probably going to not reach it. And here's what's amazing. You read that, and you hear that, and all these books and habits are coming out, and I just thought, I sat there, and I thought, who's been trying to tell us about identity from the very beginning? Some of the first words God ever spoke were, were identity verses. God's been trying to tell us that our identity, who we are, matters more than what we do because who we are will lead to what we do. One of my favorite verses, a simple, simple verse, it says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so if you're in Christ, if you have your faith in Christ, the what is here. The, the what? The new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. It's identity verses. He's saying once you change your identity, he doesn't say anything about doing. He's like, once you realize who you are in Christ, once you realize who you are in Jesus, the new is here. And in the book, he gave a perfect example. He's like, listen, it's real practical. Imagine there's two guys who smoke. All right, and so the same scenario, both of them. One guy, they're both trying to quit smoking, and a man walks up to the other man and says, hey, do you want a cigarette? The man, number one, says, no, I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. He's like, no, but he still identifies as a smoker. Man number two in the scenario. Someone walks up to him and says, hey, do you want a cigarette? He says, no. Why? Because I'm not a smoker. And James has done all this research, and he says, you know what? The man who no longer identifies as someone who smoke is going to have the goals and reach the success that they want. How we see ourselves leads to what we do. The who we are leads to what we do. And how we do it. That doesn't do it for you. Let me take you to another verse. There's, there's a book in the Bible called Ephesians. And Ephesians is actually a letter written by a man named Paul. And Paul was someone who had his life completely changed. He didn't just change what he did. He changed who he was. He had this moment in his life where Jesus comes into his moment, his life. He, he was killing Christians one day. And all of a sudden he becomes the world's greatest missionary. He's, his life is interrupted. And later on he writes these letters. And he writes to churches. And he wrote this letter, 2 Corinthians. But he, wrote, he writes this letter to a church in a city called Ephesus. And some of these Christians are, are new Christians or the recent converts, and they're trying to figure out how do we live? Like, how do we live as a, the way Jesus wants us to live? What does it look like to live like we follow Jesus? And in this letter, he writes a lot of things, but in verse uh, chapter 4, he writes this. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, to put off your old 
identity, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. He's like, listen, and maybe this is where some of you are. He's like, there's some things in your life that were causing you to do things that you don't want to do. He's like, you're told to put those off, like to take those off. And he, he continues. He says, but in, instead of having those on, he says, to be new, to be made new in the, the attitude of your mind. So change your identity, change your mind, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and in holiness. Here's what he's saying. He's like, listen, there's, it's all about our identity and how we see ourselves. He says there's the old self. And the old self are the old things that you do, the habits that you don't want to have, the bad habits, the temptations, the sins. All that stuff is th- that's stealing and sabotaging your life. He's like, before Jesus, that's who you were. And maybe here today you haven't accepted Jesus. You're, you're thinking about it. He's like, that's your old self. But he's like, you don't have to stay in the old. Right? You don't have to stay in the old. You can step into to your new self. In your new self, you can have new habits and, and do new things and have a new identity. But that identity comes through Jesus. He's like, listen, you have the opportunity to no longer do all these things you were, are doing. You have an opportunity not just to change what you do, but to change who you are through Jesus. You don't have to be your mistakes. You don't have to be your shortcomings. You don't have to be your bad habits. You don't have to stay in any of that junk. You don't have to stay in your old self. You have the opportunity to step into something brand new because of Jesus, right? Isn't that amazing? He's like, hey, you don't have to have these bad habits. You can become new. It it reminds me of... of, uh, my first day at the Kankakee Tank Wash, I worked this job with my stepdad. I've told you about it before. I hated it. They hated me working there. It was awful. It was second shift. I had no friends. I had no time to do anything but work. And on my first day of work there, right, I'm the only guy over six foot on, on there, but I'm the lowest man on totem pole. So these semi-tanks would come into the, the, the tank wash, and someone would have to get inside of them. Unfortunately, that dude was me. So there's this little manhole, and there's this little ladder, and I would go in it. So you got these, like, rubber steel-toed boots and these work pants, and they, they, they didn't tell me to do anything except push the soap to the back of the, this, the trailer. This, this trailer came in with a bunch of soap, and it's not Bath & Body Works soap, y'all. I, I don't know what it is. It's been hot. It's been nasty. It smells bad. You guys remember the movie Flubber, like, back in the day? Like, it looked like Flubber. Like, you would grab it, and it looked like it was just, like, a solid block, right? And somehow, I'm supposed to push this back. And they gave me a a shovel and a power washer, okay? And they said, get in and push it back. So I got in. I didn't want to. I was not happy, but I did come. Low man on the totem pole. I get in. I'm standing in it. It stinks so bad, and I have really bad gag reflexes. I want to puke. I'm going to throw up, but I can't because that's a bigger mess. And so I have this shovel, and I'm supposed to start pushing it back, pushing it back. They tell me nothing else. They're, lo- they're watching in. So I should have known. They're watching me. So I, I take one step with that shovel. Boom. What does soap and water do? This is where I wasn't very smart. All of a sudden, this tank that's like this big, and I'm crouched in, becomes a, like a, a slip and slide. I take one step, and boom, I'd snow angel in that, so- that soap. And I am covered with it. It is everywhere covered from basically my forehead to my mouth is not covered. Everything else is covered. I'm completely covered with this nasty, flubber, not Bath and Body Works soap. And it's disgusting. And they're like, hey, you're not done until you're done. So I, get, I push it all back and I get out of that truck. And, and I, it's like crusted to me. Like it's so crusted to me. My, my clothes are ruined. Like you can't wash it. It's disgusting. My stepdad says, hey, you're done for the day. Go home. He's like, one truck in, you're done, right? I said, like, I better be paid for a full day here. You made me go in there, right? But anyways, and that, those clothes were disgusting. Now, if I would have came back the next day wearing those same exact clothes, what do you think they would have said? They're like, Jay, my stepdad, your son is crazy, man. And he stinks, and he's wearing those nasty 
clothes. No one does that. Now, preface, I do sometimes throw clothes that Whitney thinks are dirty on the floor, right? I have to say that. They're not always dirty. But imagine you have these nasty, dirty clothes. You take them off. You know they need washed. But instead of washing them, you put them back on. And you do it day after day, day after day. You look at that person like, man, what are you doing? Just put on some new clothes. I think sometimes Jesus looks at us and is like, man, what are you doing? I've given, I've given you this new identity. I've given you this new life. And you keep going back to the old. You want to know why you don't have your, meet your goals? Because nothing changes because you keep doing the same thing. He's like, man, I love you. I love you, and I'm offering you something new. Stop seeing yourself as this person who had all these mistakes and all these shortcomings. I've given you, new, you a new identity. So when it comes to habits, don't just start with do. Because if you change your identity, and I believe the only true change in your life comes through Jesus. If you change who you are because of who Jesus makes you, I believe you will change what you do. When you change the who, it changes what you do. If you start with the do, very seldom it will change who you are. Start with the do. So I want to end this, end this day with a question. And it's a powerful question. I think it's a question you should ask yourself when you leave today. And here's a question. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? I know who God wants you to become. I know what God wants to do in your life. But let's make it real, real practical. Who do you want to become? So one day when, when I'm older and I'm reflecting back on my life, what do I want them to say about me? I want them to say first, I thought about this this week, first I want them to say, man, that was a guy who loved Jesus. Wasn't always perfect, but he loved Jesus. He was a husband that, that, that chose to have a God-honoring marriage, that his wife was literally his best friend. That's what I want people to say. And that they did it right. That with Natalie thinks about me or my future kids think about me, that they think, man, dad put us first. Dad didn't get caught up in all the rat race of work and everything else, but dad put us first. He loved us. I want people to think of it, man, I don't know if they'll think of this, but man, he had one killer, one killer jump shot, right, man? He could shoot the ball, right? I, they probably won't think that, but I want them to think that. I want people to look at me like, man, that guy was crazy at times, but he enjoyed the ride. And he's leaving one heck of a legacy. What do you want to become? What do you want people to say? What do you want them to say? So I, my encouragement to you is, pull out your phones now. You got your phone. You can have your phones in church. On your notes, write three or four things. This is who I want to become. And don't waste time and don't leave here not doing it because here, here's this. Here's my final thing. If you don't figure out who you want to be, you may never become who God has called you to be. If you don't figure out what you desire in your life, you may never become who God has called you to be. If you don't realize that Jesus has given you a new identity to step out of the old, you will never become who God has called you to be. And trust me, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But it starts with our habits. So in this series, leave today thinking, who do I want to become? Maybe think, who does God want me to become? And who is God calling me to become? Let's pray. God, we are so thankful, so, so thankful that you give us a new identity. That we don't have to stay in the old. We don't have to stay in the old habits and the old junk of our lives. But we can step in this new life that you offer us and have a new identity. Father, I pray that we start with the who we are. Because you say who you are matters. And when you change us, when you come into our life and we accept you in our life, you will change us and it will change what we do. God, I thank you for the stories of the men and women in this room. Father, I'm hopeful and anticipating that you will do something in this series. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen.